The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. Lift them up to God. We gather for ordered worship. The liturgy, music, and homily are offered this day in the praise of God for our community here within Marsh Chapel, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership now and later around the globe at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful material support, your written or emailed responses, your self-selection of forms of leadership, service, and ministry in our midst, and as the Spirit moves come Sunday, your presence with us here in worship. Today we gather in the spirit of the poet who wrote, Breathe through the pulses of desire thy coolness and thy balm. Let sense be dumb, let flesh retire. Speak through the earthquake, wind and fire, thou still small voice of calm. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
Almighty and everlasting God, you are always more ready to hear than we to pray and to give more than we either desire or deserve. Pour upon us the abundance of your mercy for giving us those things of which our conscience is afraid and giving us those good things for which we are not worthy to ask except through the merits and mediation of Jesus Christ, our Savior, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. With hearts at peace, free of anxiety, in a moment of forgiveness, we pause to remember and to pay attention. Christian history, scripture, and tradition make no place, no place, for preemptive warfare. Neither the more ancient resist-not pacifist teaching nor the later just war theories make any space for preemption. How the stealthy entry of such a proposed form of behavior could enter our national civil discourse 2002 to 2017 without voluminous debate and vehement challenge is a measure of our need for confession. Now our existence itself is on the line in discussions or lack of discussions about violent action that is preemptive, unilateral, imperial, and reckless. One thinks of Lincoln's saying of slavery, those who support it might want to try it on themselves. Not one of us wants to be the victim of preemptive violence. We may argue about the need for response and even for the need of some kinds of anticipatory self-defense. But preemption, it will occlude existence itself. Let us, as the choir sings, be and become attentive once more, hold and behold memory once more, to love as we, as we have been loved, to forgive as we have been forgiven, to be merciful even as we have been shown mercy. good news. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. A lesson from St. Paul's Epistle to the Philippians, chapter 3, verses 4b through 14. If anyone else has reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew, born of Hebrews. As to the law, a Pharisee. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. Yet whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as loss because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, 
not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death, if somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in saying verses from Psalm 19 with the Antiphon. Heavens are telling the glory of God, and the firmament proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night declares knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. Yet their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In the heavens he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom from his wedding canopy, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and nothing is hid from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart, the commandments of the Lord is clear, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. 
More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey, and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and keeping them there is great reward. But who can detect their errors? Clear me from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from the insolent. Do not let them have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Let us stand as we are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the Gospel. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Matthew, chapter 21, verses 33 through 46. Glory to you, O Lord. Listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a fence around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he leased it to tenants and went to another country. When the harvest time had come, he sent his slaves to the tenants to collect his produce. But, tenant, but the tenants seized his slaves and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Again, he sent other slaves, more than the first, and they treated, him in, treated them in the same way. Finally, he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and get his inheritance. So they seized him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. Now when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? They said to him, he will put those wretches to a miserable death and lease the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the produce in the, at the harvest time. Jesus said to them, have you never read in the scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing and it is amazing in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that produces the fruits of the kingdom. The one who falls in this stone will be broken to pieces, and it will crush anyone on whom it falls. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they realized that he was speaking about them. They wanted to arrest him, but they feared the crowds because they regarded him as a prophet. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ.
seated. Have this mind among you, which was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in human likeness. For most of 2017 here at Marsh Chapel, we have attentively followed St. Matthew as the basis of our preaching, including through our national summer series. We are grateful for the Gospel of Matthew, including his remembrance of the parable of the Watchtower today, a teaching about watchfulness, about judgment, and about living on the qui vive. Today we turn, though, away from the Gospel and toward the Epistle, which we have happily been hearing these past several weeks, that of Paul to the Philippians, his most ringingly joyful letter. Our lesson today is about service, about ministry. Ministry is service. The word means service. And we are taught here in Philippians to hunt for life, to find real life, to have the experience of really being alive in ministry, in service. This morning, our reading invites you to think, meditate, Pause for a little bit here before service in the spirit of one who is remembered as taking the form of a servant. In the advent of Christ Jesus, anxiety is eclipsed by joy, fear is overcome in thanksgiving, and this happens in service. At Mars Chapel, we are expectantly awaiting the advent of another generation of 20-year-olds and others who are captured by the mind of Christ and enchanted by the prospect of service in his name. But if this is to be so, we shall need to be direct and honest with them and with ourselves about what service involves. It may be that this intention lies behind Paul's magnificent letter to the Philippians. Paul is writing in the mid-50s of the first century. He's writing from a prison cell. Think Martin Luther King. Think Anwar Sadat. Think Nelson Mandela. Paul notes the resistance that some have to his trip into the slammer. Not everyone finds Paul's stay in the calaboose uplifting. Some do. Some see the gospel advanced through imprisonment, but some do not. Some see Paul being Paul, always spoiling for a fight, always on the edge of conflict, always polemical, polemical Paul. They preach Christ, but they denigrate Paul or denigrate Paul in the way that they preach Christ. Let us imagine what may also have been in the air, though we cannot prove it. Let us imagine that Paul decides not, at this point, to parry. Imagine that, rather, he listens hard to this. He wants to understand how unlike the Greek part of him that is. For the Greek knows a thing not by understanding, but by overstanding it. But we, in our mother tongue, with Paul today, we try to understand, to be underneath, underground, see the underpinnings of. Paul wants to understand, to stand under, to see the heart of the disappointment around him. To provide some exposition of Paul's letter, Let us look for a moment at our own experience. Service requires the willingness to be immersed in community life. And community life means endless contention and intractable difference. In a family, church, town, city, university, country, or any community worthy of the name, 
Real life means real life, including conflict. Anyone in public life and leadership, including clergy, but not only clergy and not mainly clergy, knows the disappointment involved in service. Here is some good news. Look at disappointment when it meets you this week. Look at it to understand it. Look at it with a reverence for the meaning underlying it. It takes a big dose of courage to swallow disappointment and to hunt around in disappointment for what may happen when people meet in a real shared partnership based on real shared struggle. And that swallowing, friends called to service, friends engaged in ministry, friends growing to leadership size, that swallowing is the beginning of wisdom. Here, conflict, but also here, the opportunity taken or missed to enter another's real life, real pain, real soul. It is from the locations that people give you that you will have the chance to give people some healing in service, in ministry. If they place you in a high pulpit, far off and up there, 15 feet above contradiction, the ministry will have to begin there. It need not end there. If they place you in a rough parsonage with a leaky roof and a long, sad history, the ministry will have to begin there, but should not end there. If they place you at the family table as guest and as host and as minister, you can start where they are there, but you need not end there. In 1982, one bitter cold February Saturday night, we were invited to dinner. Saturday night always carries a proleptic anxiety over Sunday morning, especially as in the case of this clear winter night on the Canadian border, when the morning sermon was not finished, was still in gestation, and was still seven months at least from birth, with birth only a few hours away. The family dinner, it turned out, was an extended family dinner, three generations, hosted by Grandma and Grandpa. After dinner, the dozen of us retired to the family room of the big country house when, over dessert, the purpose of the evening arrived or was revealed. Grandpa wanted grandson to be Christian, to believe, to be confirmed, and to attend church and wanted the new preacher to affect this, to explain faith, to defend belief, to convert the heathen then and there. It needs emphasis that these all were the finest, ruddiest, handsomest, and best of good people, though none had more than a high school diploma. They had a location into which they had for the evening appointed a minister their minister. If ministry was to start, it would have to start there, which it did over a couple of hours. The minister answered what questions he could. He did not complain about the late evening ambush, but he did identify it. Then he also asked his questions of the family and for the family, questions of histories, systems, silences, and even identified patients. By 11 p.m., the work was done, but not the sermon. It was a sneak attack, to be sure, but it was also an invitation to partnership. Leaving in a huff and defiance after dessert would have communicated boundaries, but would not have been service. Answering questions but asking none, compliance, 
would have communicated sincerity but not authenticity and also would not have been service. Exhausted and enervated, the minister and young family drove home through the crisp snow and black, beautiful, cold, cold night, the temperature at 20 below on the Fahrenheit scale, and still no sermon for the morning. Leaders, current leaders, future leaders, servant leaders, you cannot, of course, leave false name tags on your shirt or back, as inevitable as their placement is. They need removal, to be sure. But you also cannot predict where real, responsive service or ministry will emerge. And mark this, people only hear you when they're moving toward you. People only hear you when they're moving toward you. And they can best move toward you when you are located near them. So when you are invited to become chaplain of the fire department, accept. When you are asked to pray at the blue and gold banquet, accept. When you are encouraged to join the country club, accept. When you are invited to Saturday dinner, accept. When you are called to come to the barn for a talk, accept. When you are asked to visit the family burial ground, accept. When you are invited to speak at Christmas for the service, service club, accept. When you are encouraged not so subtly to visit Aunt Tilly, make the visit. As a rule, accept every invitation. For these are overtures, questions, and hopes addressed to you and to who knows who else. And your your response will be, I am at your disposal. I am at your service. In respect of Paul, as our exegesis has shown, and as our exposition has outlined, we turn to apply Philippians to Christian life in America 2017, awaiting a word of faith in a pastoral voice toward a common hope, awaiting a word of faith in a pastoral voice toward a common hope. The one who took the form of a servant meets us today right in the teeth of the gale in the heart of the storm, the storm we have lived through now for some days and weeks. He speaks to us the eternal word, a word of peace. He speaks to us the saving word, have this mind among you. It is a timely, fit, saving word. Have this mind among you. We are a people drenched in sorrow, anger, worry, and exasperation. Living into a decade of disappointments and humiliation. And the boat is heaving from side to side, stem to stern, port to starboard. Newtown, Santa Monica, Washington, West Charleston, San Bernardino, Orlando, Dallas, Las Vegas. What shall we say and think and do? But friends, ministry is service, and you know your answer already, and you are living it just now. We all need more reminder than instruction, and in any case, in reminder, you can continue to pray and to vote and to act. You can continue to pray and to vote and to act. By pray, I do mean daily meditation, including the shouting, actual or metaphorical, of lament in the face of horrific evil. But I also mean the intentional gathering come Sunday with others who seek a measure of meaning, belonging, and empowerment. You can do this. You can engage and support others. If, week by week, you only regularly see family, co-workers, or those who share your own interests, you will not meet with difference which you need to grow.
But in the pew, you have every prospect of meeting with others, others who are not relatives, not employees or employers, and not inclined to your own particular enjoyments. Not your mom, not your boss, and not your golf partner. Others who are, well, other. Somehow, as a people, we think that we can muster the will to address issues on the grand scale when our orbits of relationship are with people who are like us, are like ourselves. This is like desiring to recite Shakespeare without knowing the alphabet or diving into the calculus without mastering multiplication tables or running a marathon without first jogging two miles. This next summer, we will hear again of Martin Luther King's beloved community. But to stretch toward that Johannine, Roycean, and kingly vision of beloved community, we have to start by sitting for an hour near people who are other than we, in the presence of God. By vote, I do mean election day ballots. One of our leaders here at Boston University, when asked what advice she might have for graduates of 2017, said simply, vote. Yes, go to the polls. But I also mean the direct engagement with elected officials and others over time that makes a difference, personal engagement. One of our most beloved and vivacious friends here in Boston died suddenly of cancer six years ago. How we miss her. One day we were walking together on the esplanade and we were talking about gun violence. And in the middle of the talk, she pulled out her cell phone and she dialed her congressman, saying, They know me there. I have them on speed dial. She poured out the contents of our conversation to some staff person. Well, that not, may not be your style or mine, but it was hers. And she voted every day with her energy, her time, and her money. And she was one great person of faith. We need to be speaking and listening in person, by voice, to and with one another to a degree well and far beyond what we are doing now. By act, I do mean doing something within your sphere of influence. Several gathered here at Marsh Chapel for an evening, a compline service this past Monday. Others attended other events. You may have decided to attend a gathering for good sometime this week, a fundraiser for Puerto Rico, a walk for peace in our time, <clears throat> a committee meeting to address in some measurable way the horror of gun violence with more than 200 mass killings in this country this very year. Good for you. When you go, you tell them that Marsh Chapel and Dean Hill sent you. That is. Let us find ways to act. Our Boston University president, Dr. Robert A. Brown, challenged us this week, writing, we need to seek to understand the causes of grotesque acts of inhumanity, that we might work toward making the world a better, safer place. There is a danger of freezing in the face of seemingly intractable difficulties in the face of endless unsolvable contentions, in the face of 350 million guns already spread across the land. Yes, yes, I know. These and other facts of the present can freeze us if we are not careful. But you know, life is full of change, even surprising change. In her late 80s, my grandmother had a sign up on her kitchen door. It read, do one thing. There, you've done one thing. Do one thing. There, you've done one thing. I have a voice. I will use my voice. You have a voice. 
and you can use your voice. All the while imbued with the sense of presence and spirit, as the poet wrote, breathe through the pulses of desire thy coolness and thy balm. Let sense be dumb, let flesh retire. Speak through the earthquake, wind and fire. Thou still small voice of calm. We now come to the time in our service when we turn our hearts and minds to prayer and lift up our lives and ourselves to God. Please assume an attitude and posture of prayer by either remaining seated, standing, kneeling, or coming to the communion rail as we sing together our call to prayer, Lead Me, Lord. Let us pray for the church and for the world. Grant, almighty God, that all who confess your name may be united in your truth, live together in your love, and reveal your glory in the world. Guide the people of this land and of all the nations in the ways of justice and peace, that we may honor one another and serve the common good. Give us all a reverence for the earth as your own creation, that we may use its resources rightly in the service of others and to your honor and glory. Bless all whose lives are closely linked with ours, and grant that we may serve Christ in them and love one another as he loves us. Comfort and heal all those who suffer in body, mind, or spirit. Give them courage and hope in their troubles, and bring them to the joy of your salvation. We commend to your mercy all who have died. that your will for them may be fulfilled, and we pray that we may share with all your saints in your eternal kingdom. And now, with the confidence of children of God, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.
Good morning. Welcome again to Marsh Chapel. It's so good to be in worship with you, together with you, whether you're here in person or joining us via the radio or the podcast. We'd love to learn your name and help you to learn your neighbor's name. If you're here in person, one way to do that is to fill out those red pads found at the center of the aisle and to pass them along to your neighbor in the pew. Or if you're joining us via radio or podcast, you can always email us to check in at chapel at bu.edu. Hold on to your bulletins. We have quite a few announcements this morning. Um, First, we would like to note that as part of Family and Friends Weekend festivities next weekend, the Inner Strength Gospel Choir will perform a free concert on the steps of Marsh Chapel. That's next Saturday, October 14th at 12.30 p.m. And um, the rain location, of course, is inside here in the nave. Also next Saturday, going on all day from 8.30 a.m. to 10 p.m. is the study retreat. Um, you need to register online if you want to do that. That's at bu.edu slash chapel slash life slash study retreat. And that gives you an opportunity to kind of pray through your homework, pray through your studying. It's midterms time. So if you're a student who wants some free food, a quiet place to study, and a community of accountability, um, I can report myself. You get a lot of work done during one of these study retreats. So I really encourage your participation in that if you're interested. Um, We'd like to announce the uh, memorial service for our friend and colleague, the late Professor Peter Berger, will also be held next Saturday, October 14th at 11 a.m. at the Church of Our Savior, which is at 25 Monmouth Street in Brookline. Um, Also, we want to remind you that there's children's ministry after church, so if you are a young person, uh, please join Mr. Devin Harvin um, during the last hymn on the way out for some crafts, learning, and fun. Last but not least, if you um, have been thinking about becoming an official member of uh, Marsh Chapel, if you've been thinking about making it Facebook official, to use uh, common college parlance. Um, We're having a a new members day and service on October 22nd. Please be in contact with Ms. Heidi Freemanis-Kortz if you're interested um, in joining the chapel and making that known uh, publicly. Last but not least, I'd like to uh, invite the ushers forward to wait upon us for our tithes and offerings as we remember that it is a gift and a joy to be a giver.
most magnificent divine, perfect us in your grace. May these gifts facilitate service in the name of your incarnate child as this community ministers among and alongside neighbors connected in your spirit. Amen. the sun shall warm and bright on you, your darkest night a star shine through, your dullest morn a radiance brew, and when dusk comes God's hand to you, the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be and abide with each one of us now and always. Amen.